This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, Head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. If you perform a scene and then the casting director gives you guidance to redo the scene, that's actually a good sign because it means that they see something and they want to work with you instead of wasting their time being like, okay, there's no chance of helping this. This is not going to be your match. So we'll move on. So I'd say if if it's like, okay, try doing it this way. It's not like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. It's that, you know, we're molding this, like we're trying to produce this, right? We're trying to find uh, how this might work. Hi there, everyone. And welcome to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? and how their mentors, mistakes, and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. If, like me, you had a misspent youth watching as much Friends, Sex in the City, and The O.C. as you possibly could, you'll probably love today's guest, Amanda Ogan. Amanda was obsessed with film and TV from a young age, and despite being a Jersey girl from New Jersey, couldn't wait to move to Hollywood. After interning at Nickelodeon, she is now a freelance casting agent and has worked on shows with Netflix, Fox, Facebook and BuzzFeed, amongst others. She casts for both scripted and reality television and Amanda is really going places in the industry in LA. She also hosts a hit podcast, How Did I Get This Far?, which takes a lighthearted look at some of the basic life skills that you might regret never having acquired. Her show charted on the Apple podcast charts earlier this year and has featured guests talking about everything from changing a tyre to doing your taxes to defending yourself with MMA skills. Amanda is, quite frankly, hilarious. In this conversation, we talked about everything from sororities in American University to the phrase, the dog's bollocks, why it pays to be persistent and the value of speaking up, even if you're not really sure that you should. Enjoy. I'm ready. So I'm from a big suburb in New Jersey, lived in New Jersey for pretty much my entire, uh, from when I was born, obviously, until about 23. Um, Right after college, I did travel, but I I guess my home base was still New Jersey. But my whole life, my dream was to move to Los Angeles. Uh, Fortunately, found my way to get a job to move to LA in 2015. So that's when I was 23. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do something in entertainment my whole life. I just thought that industry was so cool. And if there was a way to find myself on set for work, then I made it. I just need to figure out what it is I'm going to do with that. Obviously, I started off wanting to be an actress, but I I didn't feel like I had as much skill or um, 
talent as some other people who had a similar look to me. And I was like, you know what? I can tell myself I can handle that rejection, but I also know myself better. I'm pretty self-aware, so I know that's not going to go well for me. Um, But I love working with talented people. And once I started hearing about the other end of it, casting, I explored that more and realized that's way more my comfort zone, uh, but still also very scary because getting into the entertainment industry is very risky and very confusing. Uh, And it has been so much fun because it does use my creative side as well as my more analytical side. I was really good at math and writing in school. So those skills and still using my creativity for the entertainment industry has been combined for my career in casting. And I love it. Amazing. And so much to unpack there. I know. <laughs> and so just I was going to ask you about what was it about LA and the kind of entertainment industry that really captures your imagination? Were you like obsessed with movies and TV? Or what was it that kind of, you know, because for a, for a girl from the suburbs of New Jersey, it's quite <laughs> a big move to go to LA. Like, what sure. was it that really made you want that for a long, long time? Yeah, I wish that I fell in love with New York City the way I fell in love with Los Angeles because it would have just been a quick bus or train ride uh, and I wouldn't have had to fly so far for my family, (laughs) yes. Uh, But, well, one major thing is the weather. I have to say, LA has really great weather. It is almost always nice out. Uh, But with the the weather and the palm trees and the Hollywood sign, I just always was very hooked on that. I thought it just looked nice. And uh, New York just has this kind of gray um, concrete jungle, right? That's what it's known as. And that just wasn't as um, exciting to me. Uh, but also television, I just, I love scripted and unscripted, but mainly obviously like I grew up watching a lot of um, sitcoms and other shows like that. And that just drew me in. And New York does have some of that, but it was more so heavy on talk shows and news shows. Uh, So I felt like my calling just wasn't going to be anywhere but LA. Um, So I really wanted to find my way there. When I was 11, uh, my family and I went to Los Angeles for vacation. And it was exactly what my little Amanda self had imagined. (laughs) It was so cool. Again, the weather was great. My mom accidentally... Uh, rented a convertible. She absolutely is not cool enough to be renting a convertible, but she did. And we were cruising the streets of Hollywood in this convertible. And as an 11 year old, I thought like, this is very, very cool. This is like the dog's bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, actually, if you have that phrase in America, but anyway. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. Out of context, it's so weird. Oh my God. What is, what what is that? Like, how would you define what that is? Meaning. Oh, so it means like um it means like it's the best. So if the people best. say like, oh, oh it's the God, dog's bollocks, it's like <laughs> yeah, that's like the best thing that's ever. A literal translation of what I thought it meant is quite the opposite. <laughs> I guess it's like so in poker you say like the best hand is the nuts. So I I don't know where it comes from, but certainly in the <laughs> I oh my know God. you already think we're crazy. No, I'm um, learning but... so much. This is very good. Thank you. Please please have more of these. Maybe uh, we should just go with a different phrase for the image of little Amanda and your mom cruising the streets of Hollywood <laughs> in the car. <laughs> oh my God, that's a good point. Um, but we went to a um, a sitcom taping. I was, again, I was 11 and technically you're only supposed to be 14 and older. Um, so my sis, my older sister gave me her jean jacket. She put a little makeup on me. And then like the person checking us in was like, how old are you? And I was like, getting, I was like putting my my chest up and I was like, 14. <laughs> like, oh my God. They like didn't care. But we went in and the um the warm-up guy, so the guy kind of keeping the audience engaged during, you know, between breaks and everything, 
he was also happy. He also happened to be from New Jersey. Uh, so he gravitated to my family. And again, I want, I was dreaming of being here and we were getting catered to pretty well. So we won a t-shirt. We went, we got candy. I was laughing. Like it was so fun. And we went to see, there's this um, child uh, children's movie called Chicken Little. It's like a digital movie of the classic story. And before the movie came out, we got to be like, a test group to watch this movie before it was even finished. Some of the scenes were literally just like drawings from storyboards and things like that. And we got to see it and give the director feedback. And again, I'm 11. So I'm like, this is so cool. How did you get into that? Honestly, you just like walk the streets of Hollywood and then like people come up to you, which sounds very scary. So I do want to put a warning out there that not everybody <laughs> is legitimate, but, um, but yeah, it just opportunities happen all the time in LA. I think that's another big draw to it. There's so many cool things to do here. And uh, it's just, it's very exciting. You never know what you, what you can do. And also, you know, we often think about um, things to do with the entertainment industry of like nepotism being a massive um, issue. And, you know, it's not, it's not about what you know, it's who you know, and all that kind of thing. Like, did were your family in the entertainment industry as a backdrop for you? Or was that something that you just charged into kind of on your own? How did you get into it in the first place when you got started? Sure. I went completely on my own. My family is absolutely not at all involved in the industry, um, but they're super supportive. And so that, you know, even though they didn't fully understand what I was doing, they were like, go for it. If you can figure it out. Cool. Um, and, uh, and it's just been so fun because it, like you said, like it comes off very glamorous and very exciting. And every time I go back to New Jersey, all, all of my high school friends and, and people that I, I see from high school, they're like, you're the girl that went to California. Like you're the Hollywood girl or whatever. And whether, you know, sometimes that's like a, definitely an exaggeration of what they're probably picturing, but, uh, but it feels cool. So, um, you know, I'll take it, but definitely. no, I definitely figured it out on my own. And, and, but I will say it is true. It is a little bit about who, you know, that might be with any industry, but of course with entertainment. And I definitely made sure to stay in contact with people that I thought we would want to support each other. Uh, and I, I definitely value the genuine relationships with other people. I mean, I work in casting and my whole job is to make sure I develop like connections with other people and find them great opportunities. So uh, that has been, I guess, what has helped me move forward was connections and, and in casting. So I work freelance now, which means like I have to find my own work. And the best way to find my own work is when I have another former casting director or coworker recommending me to someone else. So I kind of have to make sure I have those connections to make sure I can pay my bills. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And just winding back to, so you went to Rutgers in New Jersey for your um, for your undergrad and spent some time in the UK, which is exciting. I um, tell us a little bit about um, choosing your degree and then how you got started. Because you did your first job at Nickelodeon, is that right, as an intern? Uh, that was actually my second internship. Okay. But yeah, that was definitely uh, an iconic one for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to Rutgers in New Jersey and... Uh, it was a great experience. I did end up going studying abroad at University of East Anglia for a semester as well. And that was super cool. It was my first time going to Europe or well, I traveled all around Europe and it was my first time in England as well. Um, and as far as picking what I was going to study, when I went into college or university, I was debating between education, so being a teacher or something in entertainment. And my like fear took over and said, being a teacher is quote unquote easier. Not saying that it is, but that's what my mind was telling me. And so I started pursuing 
uh, a degree in that, which at Rutgers is technically a master's program and you would have to major in something else. And there was no one subject that I really wanted to commit the next four years of my life to. So I was like, I'll just do psychology. It's kind of generic. That's fine. And then my second psychology course was called Statistics and Psychology. And the exams were going to be on Sundays. And it was like already really hard on week one. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to work this hard, I need it to be something I'm dreaming of pursuing. Uh, so I switched to, I was taking a communications 101 class. And that was just as interesting as Psych 101 for me. So I just took the leap, made the switch, and was enjoying that throughout college. And the biggest thing was obviously getting my internships. They were all in New York City. Luckily, Rutgers is not far. And uh, my first one was at a talent agency. Uh, and my second one was at Nickelodeon. Uh, so I was in their talent and casting department. And uh, and then I did a commercial casting company. So different national commercials. And long story short, that's what led to my connection to move to LA. But that was a really big shift I made. I took what felt like a really big risk. Uh, but Fortunately, it worked out, but that was kind of my journey picking my major. That's cool. And how did you um, go about, because I know when we think about internships, both, you know, in Europe and the States, like whatever industry you're in, often internships are supremely competitive. They're often unpaid. You know, we have a certainly, I don't know about in New York, but in the creative industries in London, there's this huge thing about um, unpaid internships and the kind of scandal of people not being paid for their work and, and having to live in one of the most expensive cities in the world, which is which in its own right creates a barrier to people who don't have don't have support or another form of income because they can't afford to live. So therefore, you're kind of limiting entry. Um, how was getting into an internship and like how did you kind of go about leveraging into that position, Amanda? Because you know having three internships is pretty cool, and one of them at Nickelodeon is you know it's a big name and kind of as an entry to the industry. Like how did you go about getting into that? Yeah, well, the fact that they're unpaid internships. All three of mine were unpaid. Uh, actually, my, God, right. my internship actually at Nickelodeon, I had the very last semester of an internship for Viacom before they started paying their interns. So I got over that, but I was like, darn, <laughs> I missed out on my, some money. I actually talked, I have an episode on my podcast with um, Rutgers's internship uh, coordinator, uh, and we dove into this whole conversation about unpaid and paid and, and what the rules are nowadays about that, and at least in America. But um, yeah, so my my goal was to do a casting internship first uh, because I knew that's what I wanted to to try to pursue. Um, but that was actually really hard to find. Uh, so there were plenty of talent agency based internships. So I did one of those. Uh, after that internship, then I had a little leverage to apply to an internship for Nickelodeon. And I applied as a sophomore in college. So my second year, and I didn't hear back because I found out that I didn't actually take sophomores. I don't know, I obviously didn't read directions. Uh, then I tried for I think a second time. And I don't think I heard back the second time. And then the third, I was like, no, I'm getting this internship, whatever it takes, like this is this is going to be really cool for me. Uh, and then the third time, uh, I ended up, I, I think I name dropped like a, a, a fellow student uh, who had that internship before. I met her in my like musical theater uh, program at school. And uh, she's like, oh, I had an internship. Just just like mention my name. And I did. And going back to the nepotism thing, they brought her up. They, they, had, they scheduled me for an interview. Well, first I talked to HR on the phone. Then they scheduled my interview. And during the interview, they're like, oh, you, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. We loved her. And I'm like, then you'll love me. 
right? Um, and then they also asked me about my supervisor of my talent agency internship. They're like, oh, like, uh, so, you know, so-and-so was your supervisor. Like, we love her. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She loves me. If you want to ask, like we love each other. Uh, so I, I think that all together helped me get it. Uh, but it was crazy because I was so anxious to get this internship. I'm like, this could be amazing. And as soon as I got back to New Jersey for my interview in New York, I actually got offered it right then. So like within a, an hour or two, they offered me the internship. I was with my mom and my grandma in that moment too. So they were like, yay. yay. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cute. incredible. But there's a couple of things in there, isn't there? It's like one is about resilience and tenacity in terms of like, you didn't get it once. Okay, they didn't take so from us, but like that you didn't get it again. And then you applied again. And actually, I think it's really helpful to have those conversations with people because when you're looking into the from the outside into a difficult industry it all you see is the success that people have already gained and actually what you don't see is that nothing is an overnight success and that people like you you're getting there through like determination and that when things don't go right you pick yourself up and you damn well try again and like you know you're having to show that kind of resilience to come back a third time and just be like I'm not going to be put off like I am going to Nickelodeon and just the second thing I was going to say was even if you don't have a parent in the industry like utilizing what you have and not being afraid to ask people if I can if you can say can I use your name or like is it okay if you give me an introduction yeah, like, absolutely. That's really valuable. And I think it's something that sometimes women are a bit what, bit more nervous of doing is just like asking people to say, will you give me a recommendation? And it's something I'm only just getting better at now, but it's obviously been really valuable for you over the years. Yeah, I actually have another really good example of being willing to ask for help and, and putting out what you want and being specific with what you want. Um, so my last internship, so after Nickelodeon, I, um, actually interned for, like I said, a, a commercial casting company. And with that internship, I had to learn a software they use to record the auditions. Um, and so that software is owned by a company called Casting Networks, um, which is a company that's basically the middleman between agents and casting directors and talent. Um, instead of like mailing headshots and resumes, it's all, you know, it's all electronic now. So it's one of those companies. And so I, I got trained on the software as an intern. And the woman who trained me, she and I really connected, we hit it off. And I also picked up on the software pretty quickly, uh, did something totally different for a year. And then when I came back, I reconnected with the woman who trained me on the software. And after she refreshed me, I said to her, I was like, look, my dream is to live in Los Angeles. So this was all in New York. I was like, my dream is to live in Los Angeles. I want to work in casting. I need to find my way there. Do you have any guidance? Do you have any suggestions? And she said, well, Casting Networks actually has a job opening in their office in Los Angeles, helping their casting director clients. I can put in a recommendation for you if you'd like. And I was like, I live in New Jersey. Why on earth would they consider me in there all the way in LA? I mean, yes, please do. But it's a shot in the dark. And then um, I ended up getting the, we did the interview over Skype. And then I had a second interview over Skype. And then they offered me the job. And then like two or three months later, I moved to LA and, and started my full-time job there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And actually, like, that's that's an amazing example, isn't it? And, you know, like you say, you've kind of been away, you've come back, you've picked up with somebody who trusts you, who knows you, who likes you, you know. And I always just think, actually, like, people are really, really happy to help so often. And I think, actually, people like to give their time to help other people, particularly, I think, young people starting in their career that, 
you know, that there's that kind of assumption that they're too busy or like I shouldn't disturb them or whatever. And, sure. mm-hmm. you know, God knows I have been really guilty of that over the years of like just not reaching out to people because I'm like, oh God, they're really important. But actually like <laughs> people do want to help you. And and I think that's such a nice example, Amanda, as well. Um, talk to me about this sorority. So we don't really have this in the UK. Yeah, I'm like, I fascinated <laughs> by this. And also one other thing that was on, on your LinkedIn, I was like, what the hell? Um, was being... <laughs> a performer captain for a dance marathon I was like what is that all about um I feel like the American (laughs) university experience is just I fit for us in the UK it's a bit like the movies Um, yes (laughs) tell me about sororities and what you were doing traveling around for that yeah no it was funny when I went to University of East Anglia there were a lot of um students from other countries and I met some from New Zealand and Australia and obviously uh the UK and they were all like wait, sororities are real? I thought it was just in the movies. And I was like, wow, this is so fun. Uh, but yes, they are real. Uh, so yes, I was in one. Um, and it was exactly what I needed because I gravitate towards connections with people, right? I think you probably all do. And they were just asking me like, hey, how are you? Hey, you want to come over and have food with us? Like just making interest in me. And that was so important for me as a first year student in college, because I really, really wanted connection. And they gave that to me. So I was very, very appreciative of my sorority and decided I wanted to uh, return the favor and give that back to some other students. And so I was a leadership development consultant for my sorority, which basically meant I went to uh, what's called the chapters in all the different universities that had my sorority in it. And I would just help them with recruitment strategy or you know, budgeting or just overall dynamics between, you know, the, the, the sisters, the, the girls that are members uh, and just different programs that they had and just made sure they were doing things that were correct and safe and happy and joyful and actually providing the opportunity that is the intention of a sorority. So that was so fun because I got to travel and, and also get paid and just have fun with these girls that were not that much younger than me. So it was it was cool. As far as the uh, the dance marathon, so that actually is a really big deal. I don't know if it exists at all in the UK, but it's a pretty big deal in a lot of different universities over here. Um, one of the uh, biggest fundraisers that at least Rutgers has, I know other schools have it. Uh, Penn State has a huge dance marathon. Um, so when I was a student, they changed it. But when I was a student, it was like 36 straight hours that people who raised money would stand on their feet, whether it was dancing or just literally standing for 36 straight hours. As you can imagine, that has what? changed. That was crazy. But uh, that was how it was when I was a student. And I knew I wanted to participate in this. I just knew I absolutely don't want to be one of these dancers standing for 36. I can't even stand for 36 minutes. So I wanted to figure out how to get involved. And I found being um, a performer captain, I think was my title, right? And uh, basically, that gave me the opportunity to still be involved, still raise money, but also create the entertainment for the dancers during the event. Oh, okay. So whether that was reaching out to different organizations to do performing, so like a step team, a dance team, uh, an improv troupe, whatever it might be, and make sure that they were engaging with... um, all the dancers so that they would stay entertained and awake <laughs> and happy. Uh, so that was part of my department was finding ways to keep everyone entertained. And that was super fun. 
Amazing. But you have worked as a dancer, is that right? Like is dancing <laughs> part of your kind of like, you know, resume, Amanda, as well? Because it seems like you've got so many talents and, and you have worked as a dancer at some point in your career. Yeah, um, it's so funny. I'm not a, I, I guess you, in one way you can say I'm a professional dancer and in one way I'm absolutely okay. not a professional dancer. We're going to go with she's a professional dancer. <laughs> so, well, here's, here's why. <laughs> and this is another very weird thing I don't think exists in the UK. We'll see. Um, but um like I'm very enthusiastic and energetic and I do love to dance. A lot of my friends consider me the hype woman of the friend group. And I actually have that as like a side job, not now, unfortunately during COVID, but I do have that as a side job. And basically at bar mitzvahs, even sometimes like weddings or communions, uh, they'll, there, there will be dancers or people to keep everyone engaged. Um, so whether it's leading in the cha-cha slide, do you guys have the cha-cha slide? Did that song make it to the UK? Oh man. Okay. Look it up, please. That's actually, you guys may hate it. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it's just like line dances. Basically okay. it's just fun dances. Um, and we would just lead in like, people would just follow our moves, even if it's just simple, you know, like, uh, just moving your hands back and forth or whatever, just keeping everybody moving, engaging with people, handing out glow sticks and other fun uh, items and just working with the DJ to make sure that everyone at the party is having a good time. Uh, I would walk around to all of the grandparents to be like, put on these goofy sunglasses, like having a good time. And it would just be super fun. So technically, yes, I was getting paid to be a dancer, uh, but I certainly, I mean, some of my co-dancers they are professional dancers. They are on tour with singers and they are, you know, doing big things with their dancing skills. And I am just like here for fun. So. I, this is like a, this is like a cultural lesson for me at the whole of this interview. It's just like oh gosh, what goes amazing. on in the US versus the UK. I do not think that exists a concept over here. Um, it's certainly not something I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't attended that many bar mitzvahs. I'm not going to lie, but um, I certainly, I have never <laughs> seen that at a wedding or at another big event. Well, okay. So I actually want to ask you a question. Yeah, so go for I it. had an interview um, when, right before I finally got my offer to move to Los Angeles. I had a job interview at a talent agency. And I'll be honest, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't really interested in becoming a talent agent, but I wanted to feel out my options for a job. Um, and so, but in an interview, you know, you always want to prepare questions for the end. And so the woman who interviewed me asked me if I had questions. And of course I said, yes. And I said, what is the skill that really matters for you? What is something you definitely want to see in this position? Oh, great question. Everyone can steal that for that the next time they go to a job interview because that's a good question. <laughs> yes, just don't steal what I ended up saying after. <laughs> okay. Take the question and that's it. But she said, oh, we want someone that's, you know, enthusiastic, a go-getter. We'll go up to ask people, you know, what they need, offer solutions, go, just like go be very involved. And I was thinking, okay, this, this side job of my dancer job that I have definitely is a perfect example. I go up to people. I keep people engaged. I interact with people. So I was like, oh, I actually, you know, to show that it makes sense to hire me because I have those skills, I, I gave my dancer job uh, description. And the only thing she said back was, what kind of dancing do you do? <laughs> it's like, you know what? You're picturing me on a pole right now. So I am going. <laughs> This interview just ended really badly. <laughs> so I literally left. I was like, okay, well, that was fun. <laughs> bye bye. Um, <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, I absolutely love this chat. Um, that's no, that's very cool though. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. And also, I one of the things I really have kind of taken from. Uh, 
like chatting to you and just kind of getting to know you as well is that you're you're somebody who's really good at juggling lots of things you seem to often have multiple things on the go and you kind of multiple hustles and you know you've done the dancing on the side and then you've kind of worked for companies you've done a bit of freelance like how do you kind of balance all the different streams to your work life and and now you're podcasting as well like how do you kind of balance your time and and how have you done over the years in terms of making sure you've got enough income coming in and just really kind of making freelance life pay I guess because actually that can be a real challenge yeah freelance is is weird it is wild it's not taught in schools I'm not really sure how I'm figuring it out um to be honest like I said like since I was little I dreamed of moving to LA and so like birthdays holidays I saved my money for one day moving here as a child, which is very weird. Um, But then I saw all these movies of girls pursuing their dream in the big city and then all their money got stolen because they put it in the freezer behind the toilet and someone broke into their apartment and took all their money. So I just imagined that was gonna happen to me one day when I pursue my dreams. And then I realized, no, I have it in the bank. I'm actually gonna be okay. So I have a little bit of, of that comfort there, but it is, you know, I still wanna be able to make money. I think the motivation I have to make sure time-wise that I'm able to balance all the things that I do and want to do is the fact that I actually like for my mental state need to be busy. I don't do well when I'm sitting still with nothing to do. There's a big chunk of this pandemic that was very tough for me. Um, But I, I just like to be active, to be busy. The stress of having too much on my plate is way better for me than the stress of not having anything to do. So I think I just make it happen because otherwise I'm going to be doing nothing and I will be a mess. So I don't really have a good piece of advice for how I do it. I think I just figure out what needs to be prioritized and try my best to convince myself that I need to do my stuff in that order. doesn't always happen, but that's kind of how I run. <laughs> and tell me now, as a casting agent and, and a casting director, what does your job actually entail, Amanda? So can you talk to us a little bit about like what would your kind of day-to-day look like and what's the responsibilities that you'd have in your job and, and that kind of thing? Sure. So I've had a few different jobs. My my resume is very strange, but as far as freelance casting, uh, there are a certain hierarchy of positions. So technically started as a casting assistant. And I would say, again, and this is kind of focusing on reality television, some of it is the same as scripted television. So with actors, and unscripted or reality is with what we call real people. So just people being themselves rather than playing a character. Um, and so I've worked in both um, and I've worked in different positions. So I've worked at the network before and then I've worked freelance, which is kind of the, the hands-on team that then shares who we've found to the production company and the network. Um, so in the freelance uh, stage, casting assistant would do recruiting, a little bit of administrative work. Uh, just keeping everything running, maybe doing a couple errands, right? Uh, and then there's the casting associate producer who will then start kind of doing the pre, uh, pre-screening pre of people, maybe having a phone call with them to analyze, you know, maybe what their hook is, what makes them unique. Uh, this could be for a game show, maybe what their, their job is or a nice story about them, something that would make us root for them or connect with them. Um, or a common thread if it's a team, like these, this is a team of roommates, this is a team of best friends, this is a family, uh, and then kind of develop you know, who they are in that way. And then we have the casting producer who will usually be the one recording the actual interview. And we would just do more interviews, it'd be a lot of questions getting to know you. And then there's the casting director who usually is the owner of the company, and they will be the liaison between 
the production company, the studio, the network, uh, making sure we're providing what it is they're asking for. We'll put the pitch together as well. Uh, but that's pretty much the gist. So I've done almost all of these positions at this point, uh, and I love them all. It's all really fun. So let's say you're you're casting a scripted TV show, for example. Um, how do you go about identifying the kinds of actors in particular in that case that would be suitable and and kind of perfect, I guess, for for what the production company are looking for? Because that's presumably the entire skill of your job is to match. You're essentially a matchmaker between the actors and the production company. Um, and, and and it seems to me that, you know, it's hard enough matchmaking your friends that you think would make a good couple, but like matchmaking a production company with the right person that's going to do the job in the way that they really, really want, I imagine it can be pretty tricky. So like, how do you develop that skill? And, and what's the kind of, um, what's the touch to it to kind of make those matches, I suppose? Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say it's easier than matchmaking because that stuff as well. So if you know someone who's good at matchmaking, please send them my way. I, I can use that. But uh, as far as finding an actor uh, that's fit for a role, there are so many people involved in making that decision that I think it's kind of hard to know for sure what, you know, like to pinpoint what everyone's looking for, because there are so many heads involved in making that decision. I think it also gets a little lost too. Like that casting director in the room with you, you probably think like, if they don't like me, then it's over. And that's absolutely not the case. There have been many times that I was assisting with running uh, scripted auditions for a TV pilot or for a regular series. And what I think made sense or my casting director is like, wow, like I just felt something like that person took this script somewhere totally new. That was amazing. And then the, you know, the network is like, I no, somebody else. And so, uh, so, you know, it's really hard to say, but I would say obviously professionalism also matters a lot too. And that in, in unscripted in reality, we kind of have to put that to the wayside. Um, we have to kind of, uh, put up with a little bit more since it's not people's job. Um, but when it comes to actors, like this is their job and they need to be on time, they need to be prepared, uh, and they need to be kind of, uh, self-aware. I've had a couple auditions where my casting director and I are like, as soon as she walks out of the room, we're going to have a moment because that was weird. <laughs> like whatever just happened here, like something's up. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we have them perform. And then I will say kind of a sign if you are listening and you're, you want to pursue acting, a good sign uh, is not a guarantee, but I would say this is probably always the case. If you're, if you perform a scene and then the casting director gives you guidance to redo the scene, that's actually a good sign because it means that they see something and they want to work with you instead of wasting their time being like, okay, there's no chance of helping this. This is not going to be your match. So we'll move on. So I would say if, if it's like, okay, try doing it this way. It's not like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. It's that, you know, we're molding this, like we're trying to produce this, right? We're trying to find uh, how this might work. Um, and then that will go on forward. We'll then pick the selects. We'll pick our, our favorite ones and then put that into something to share with the next stages of casting to see what they say. Um, and then there's also some other additional steps when it comes to the network. Like, of course, like they are a business. So there are some things that they have to check as well in their own databases to make sure that certain people make sense. And then, of course, there's the chemistry aspect. So once they do start narrowing it down, they need to make sure that different people do connect well, do look well. If you're doing a family, does this look like this could be a family? Are they is their dynamic able to be believed as uh, you know, a couple, let's say, like, do they even seem like they have any connection? And and they'll do tests to actually see if that works before obviously casting them. So there's different aspects to it. Um, I wish I had like a really good, like solid piece of advice, but 
that's a little bit of an insight, I guess. It's fascinating. And actually, I think the thing that's really just struck me from everything you're saying is is how um, big the team is that makes all those decisions. Because actually, you know, when you reeled off all the different positions that are at place in a casting company, and that's only one piece of the jigsaw, because then you've got the network and you've got the production company. And, and actually, there's, I kind of don't, you know, I know that when I watch a film, there'll probably be seven minutes of end credits or something. But <laughs> actually, you don't really realize from the outside how many people are involved in in making even, you know, a TV show. It might only be a 30-minute show or something, let alone a two-hour feature film. But actually, like, get, just gaining that kind of understanding about the the kind of hugeness of it all, Amanda, I just find really remarkable. Yeah, when I would watch movies... I would sometimes watch the credits. I usually watch the credits to see who the casting director is. So as a kid, I would like write it down and be like, one day I'm going to work with these people or whatever my intention was. I'm not even sure. But I would watch the credits and I would also watch them to see if there is another job that maybe I don't know about that I want to learn more about. Um, most of them, no, they look very confusing and difficult and involve heavy machinery. So I said no to most of them. But I was like, you know, nobody you know, same thing. Nobody really explains how it works, but there is always a huge team. I mean, it's very, very possible to do a show with a very small team. Um, but anytime I've been on set, even if what you see on screen is like five different people, it's a team of like 200 people that were involved in making it happen. And it's, it's actually really cool because then I get to, you know, you know, the whole like being behind the scenes and all of that is super, super fun. So when I do get to go to set, I always love that because then you really see you know, the bottom of that iceberg, just all the stuff that goes into making it happen. It's really, really interesting. It's amazing. And how often do you get to go on set? You know, it's been pretty, it's been more frequent um, as the years go by. I mean, I've only been in freelance casting for like two or three years at this point, but I would say freelance, I definitely have been able to go to set pretty often, especially in reality television Um, and scripted. It's kind of more, you go to just see if maybe that, like uh, that guest role that you cast, if they, really made sense if you really want to use them again and just like how it's going and um, you know get, getting to just see how the actors you cast are doing um, but when you're working on an unscripted project you might be able to go to set and then be responsible for kind of making sure that the talent you cast are okay because this is not a normal world for them um, so they kind of need a little bit more um, assistance mm, not all but you know more than half of the shows I've cast I've got to go uh, to set for which is awesome that's so cool. That is so cool. And just finally, I was going to touch on your podcast uh, because you are also a superb podcaster. Um, Amanda's podcast is called How Did I Get This Far? Um, last week, it was in the Apple charts uh, when she had on her latest guest. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast and, um, and how you got started with that as well? Because as everyone listening to this will know, this podcast is a part of the Skylark Collective, which is a international collective for women who podcast so quite a few of our guests on this podcast now have their own podcast and Amanda is one of those she's a very talented podcaster as well uh, do you want to just chat to us a little bit about how did I get this far um, I love the concept of it and I absolutely love it as well so do you go for it tell tell everyone else about it too sure you are awesome you're so sweet thank you for that introduction already uh, yeah, so the podcast is about basic life skills that we never learned. And it's getting to a point where it's a little embarrassing that we never learned it. But I'm happy to own up to it and be the one asking the questions to my expert guests uh, that we wish we knew. So uh, it could be anything from actual basic skills. So house cleaning, taxes, how to take care of your hair, 
just any basic part of life that we weren't really taught. I think I mentioned it a lot. Like there's a lot of things that we never learned in school. So uh, I try to use this as like a, a, a resource for that. Um, I, my intention is for it to be, if anyone's seen the movie Slumdog Millionaire, where it's like, you just randomly learn stuff you don't need to know just yet. But then when the moment happens, like when you get a flat tire, it's like, oh, I feel like I remember hearing a couple words on this podcast about what to do instead of that anxiety of not only the stress of whatever it is you're about to go through, but not knowing anything about it. Um, so that has just been a big part of my life is just not knowing how to do adult tasks. And, uh, and I, I, me too, me too. <laughs> that's the thing is like, I'm happy to say it. And, and honestly, I'm proud of you for, for saying it. So uh, welcome to the community. Uh, but we, uh, my, my intention is to help people at least break that down. And I try to keep it a little like lighthearted and fun and we'll add stories and some laughs. I put a bunch of puns in there. I'm a big fan of puns and, uh, just try to have a couple of facts and tidbits uh, thrown in there as well as, uh, on the Instagram account attached to it, I try to show me attempting these things as well. So I can try to improve as a human being. Uh, it's not going great, but definitely has been fun. You're so right there. Cause there's loads of stuff we don't get taught. Like I haven't actually, I haven't had a chance to listen to the episode on taxes yet. And I'm sure the American tax system is a bit different to the UK one, but right. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. I'm not really sure. If it'll help but when I set up my own company, like I was, I had no idea and I mean like no idea about how to file a tax return or what I needed to do or how I ought to be paying myself or what was the most tax efficient way to do it you know anything like this I was like I have absolutely no idea about finances and I produced a podcast episode a few months ago about pensions very similar and you know just like no one taught me about that either and perhaps I probably should just know but you know when you're just like these things are actually really fundamental, really crucial. Changing attire, also a very good life skill. Kudos to you, my love. Thank you. No, I remember like taxes is just like a big one, right? Like everyone's like, what's a basic life thing you don't understand? Taxes is like the first thing people say. And uh, I remember like my dad, I would tell my dad like, hey, why don't you show me what you're doing with my taxes uh, so that I can do it one day? He's like, no, you have me. Like, it's fine. I was like, okay, I don't mean to get morbid, but one day I won't have you. And like, I still have to get my taxes done. He's like, then you get a CPA. You're not, you're not doing your taxes. You get, you hire someone to do them from there. Um, but it is so confusing. So it's like, you know, someone needs to break this down. When I get those tax return forms, what am I supposed to do with them? And, and uh, luckily I found a really awesome guest who kind of broke it down, uh, all of that. And then some tips as well on how to organize all that paperwork and, and just different pieces of advice. So if anyone learns anything from it, fantastic. Um, I try to cover, so those basic things, right? Those actual really basic aspects of life. I try to so throw some fun ones in there too, like how to get on a reality TV show if anyone is genuinely interested. I did a lot about that. Uh, I do at some point want to do one about how to become an actor in Hollywood. Uh, haven't touched on it yet just because some things I'm like, do we want to wait till the pandemic's over <laughs> to touch? Like, because things are going to change. But um and then also serious ones. I want to kind of cover some of the more challenging conversations. So I did one about immigration in America. I did one about um, interactions with cops, because I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, I think it was everywhere, but especially in America, it was definitely a big conversation in this country. Um, so I try to cover things that we wish we knew that are a little he heavier as well. Uh, but just the whole spectrum. Anything that I wish I knew and no one's teaching me I try to find a really awesome guest. And I would definitely urge people to go and have a listen to Amanda's podcast because it is great. Um, where can people find you either in real life when the pandemic is over or online? And, and what have you got coming up? 
True. So my address is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my social security number is this and my bank account details are. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm based in Los Angeles. So I love making new friends. So anybody that uh, ends up in LA, please, uh, you can message me on Instagram. My Instagram is just my name, which is Amanda Ogan. Um, and then my podcast, if, if you find my podcast very interesting, it's at how did I get this far pod on Instagram. Uh, I try to share my casting notices on my personal account as well as just a bit about my life. So I uh, would love to make some friends there. I always throw the floor open to the guests at the end just to say, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to say? Any big pearls of wisdom or pieces of advice that you've been given that you would like to pass on to other women in their career? Ooh, I love this. Um, I think one piece of advice that I carry with me, which I think is like the Jer- the New Jersey girl in me. Uh, when I came to LA, I always joke I have to tone my jersey down because uh, I'm very like loud and proud and very like assertive and like it's just it's a little different than like the the relaxed, laid back Los Angeles. So, uh, but I love that about myself. I really love that I'm able to to ask for that, like you know, when I'm negotiating my rate to to have that conversation to explain why I deserve to be making this much money. I you know will ask these questions. I will stand up for myself, and I think that is, you know, sometimes it'll backfire, right? Like there are times that they're like, no, I won't give that to you or, or even, you know, uh, another kind of outcome, but I always feel like it's worth it. I always will try to stand up for myself and uh, speak up too. There has never been a circumstance where I didn't speak up when I was questioning if I should. Anytime I have, it's worked out for me. Um, I remember when I worked at a network, they had a new CEO and I had just started at this network. I was literally like a month in and we had uh, a big meeting with the CEO asking if anyone had any suggestions on how to improve the dynamic in the company. And I had an idea. I was new, but I still had an idea. And I was debating like, I'm too new. I shouldn't actually say anything, but I did. And not only did the CEO uh, come up to me, not to anyone else, come up to me, told me that he was grateful that I spoke up. He's like, I'm new too. So I appreciate, you know, you being new and, and, and speaking up. And then he also told my boss's boss that he was impressed with me for sharing. And uh, that always stuck with me. And there's other examples I have as well. But I think that's my biggest piece of advice is speak up if you feel like you should in any circumstance, not just in work, but just in life. Speak up if you see something or say something and just be proud of who you are and uh, just make sure you assert yourself because you belong here and you got something to say. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a fun chat. Um, <laughs> I'm just debating. I agree. I love you. <laughs> I'm just debating whether to keep in the dog's bollocks comment. Um, oh my God. No, you have to. I need people to learn about this phrase. We need to bring it to America. We need to start saying that. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.